Reading now from the Gospel according to John. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because, you have, because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I like maps, the paper kind. I like to unfold them, lay them out, see where things are in relationship to each other. I like to chart a course, plan a route. I even like to fold the maps back up, mainly to prove to those who cannot that I can. Fewer and fewer people will be able to fold maps up because fewer people are unfolding them in the first place anymore. Map reading is a dying art. The directions are on your phone with voice commands. Who needs maps? Well, my friend who has the latest Apple everything (laughs) found a stack of paper maps in my, why is it still called glove compartment, but glove compartment, He called me a Luddite. I proved him wrong by going to the internet to look up what Luddite means. (laughs) See, I told him I'm not opposed to technology. I'm not. Technology helps us in many ways, including, of course, GPS. I'm grateful that I don't have to unfold a map when I'm driving through this area to figure out where you people live. It's (laughs) dangerous to do that. 
With a few taps on my phone, a voice begins to tell me turn by turn which way to go, and that works really well until I decide to take another route. Then, with more scorn than my great aunt could ever muster, my phone announces recalculating. Once I get over being judged by a chunk of metal, I appreciate that it will recalculate. It may not be the way it wanted me to go, but the map app is willing to try another way. It knows that ultimately the goal is to get me to the place where I thought I wanted to go, not to make me go the way it wanted me to go. So even if it's not the most efficient route, if I get to where I ask it to take me, then it has done its job. The first thing, though, for it to do its job is for me to know where I want to go. I need to know my intended destination before any map, paper, or computer can help me get there. This Lent, we're thinking about our lives and how they could be recalculated. We recognize that each of us can stray from the path, stop progressing on our journey, get confused and head in the wrong direction. Any number of things can cause us to need to recalculate. But before we can recalculate, before we can move back in the right direction, we have to know what is our intended destination or there is no right direction. Zig Ziglar said it well, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. I don't think people want their lives to be aimless. I don't think most people's lives are aimless. I, I think that it's just that we're so busy and there's so many targets, it's hard for us to know which one to fully aim at. We have many demands on our lives, parents, children, spouses, work, church, just to name the biggest and broadest categories. There might be moments when we are singularly focused on one of those, but for the most part, we have multiple ones competing for our heart and our mind, if not our bodies. The demands that don't force themselves to the top of this must be done now list continually get pushed lower and lower. And what that can mean in our discipleship is that we are more like on a treadmill than we are making forward progress. It's not that we're necessarily going backwards. We may not be going forward either. And it's certainly unlikely that we're going in the right direction if we don't know what is our intended destination. Have you asked yourself recently, what is my goal? What is my desire? What is my intended destination as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Have you asked yourself, if I could put into some sort of spiritual GPS machine a discipleship destination in this life, What would it be? What we're going to suggest to you this Lent is that the cross, 
and what it represents, immeasurable love, is a waypoint, a marker along the way toward our ultimate destination. And if that's where we train our compass, direct our steps, point our lives, then those other demands, family, work, church, will be better served than if we try to meet those demands without prayer and study, worship, and service. One of the ways we determine what we want our destination to be and how to get there is by asking questions. To use a GPS effectively, you have to ask yourself, where is it I want to go? And then you have to determine which route you want to take. For instance, if your discipleship destination for this Lent would be something like being closer to Jesus, then your first question might be, what would I like to do to get closer to Jesus? And then your next question might be, how could I reallocate my time to pray more, study scripture more, engage in a Bible study, serve, contemplate, pursue the things that Jesus made priorities, be with the people Jesus spent time with. Asking the right questions leads us in the right directions. It's something that Jesus and his disciples understood. I read for you 16 verses from the Gospel of John, and in those verses, I don't know if you counted, there were five questions. Five questions that help us think about what it might mean to recalculate our lives. The first question is, what are you looking for? Some have suggested that maybe a better translation of that question is, what are you seeking? Jesus saw two men. Disciples of John the baptizer, he saw that they were following him, that they had come to, to meet them and meet him. And he could have asked them, he could have given them all kinds of instructions. He could have said to them, go back to John. He could have said, follow me. He'd said that to plenty of others. He could have said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Instead, he said, do you know what you're seeking? Do you know what you're seeking? The two men responded to Jesus with a question of their own. Where are you staying? Like so much of John's gospel, this is a layered comment the surface level makes sense asking where someone is staying is a way to sort of bail some t buy some time so that you can get your wits back about you knowing where someone is staying might tell you something about who they are they've been with john the baptizer for a while been in his kind of residence maybe they were looking for some better accommodations and and hoped jesus might have those we don't know exactly what they were after when they said that but we do know that the greek word for staying meno has means beyond location it can mean remain, as in the way the Holy Spirit remained on Jesus. It can also mean endure, as when the bread of life told us to seek after the food that will endure. 
Sometimes it means abide, like when Jesus said, abide in me as I abide in you, and told the disciples that the spirit of truth abides in them. Perhaps the, the two men wanted to know where Jesus was staying, but it could also mean that they wondered where he would remain, where he would endure, where he would abide, where could Jesus always be found? Jesus' response was, come and see. Come and see. And so these men went. And along the way, of course, they got to know Jesus through conversation, a great way to get to know someone as you travel. Along the way, they got to see who he was by seeing how he was. They learned so much more about Jesus by being with him than him simply telling them where he was staying. Come and see. Come and see is a wonderful invitation. A wonderful way to... Invite someone into getting to know Jesus. Come and see was also Philip's response to Nathaniel's skepticism. He had wondered, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip didn't start with implications about Nathaniel's life or voids that Nathaniel must be feeling or or problems that he had observed, he said to him, we've found the one that Moses and the prophets were talking about. We've found this Jesus from Nazareth. Come and see. It's an invitation that can lead to recalculating, to going in a different direction. Not you must. Not if you don't. Come and see. Nathanael went and he saw and he was impressed that Jesus saw too. When Jesus identified him as an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, Nathanael wondered, where did you get to know me? Jesus said, I saw you under that fig tree. But that can't be all, right? Seeing someone under a fig tree does not reveal much about their character. There's no way with that limited observation that you could know someone's integrity to know that this is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He, Nathaniel recognized that Jesus saw more than you could have seen in just looking at him under a fig tree. And so Nathaniel knew that he was known. He replied with a declaration of faith, an affirmation. He didn't say, as others had said, things about Jesus. Here is one of whom Moses spoke. He said to Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. To which Jesus asked one more question. Do you believe, because I told you, I saw you under a fig tree, you will see greater things than that. We know from John's gospel some of the greater things that Nathaniel may have seen. Water turned into wine. 
5,000 people fed, Jesus walking on water, an official's son healed, a paralytic healed, a blind man healed, Lazarus raised from the dead, Jesus resurrected. He might have seen any of those. We don't know. The next time Nathaniel's name is mentioned in the Gospel of John, he's on the side of the Galilean Sea. It's after the resurrection. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Nathaniel goes with him. And up comes Jesus by the lake shore. He fixes breakfast for them. A sign of the heavenly banquet that's yet to come. An indication of the eternal feast that will become Nathaniel's ultimate destination because he was willing to recalculate. Because Nathaniel was willing to go and see. This Lent, the question for you and, and me is are we willing to go and see? Are we willing to recalculate our lives so that we can arrive at our intended destination? And before all of that, will we consider what our intentions are for our destination as followers of Jesus in this life? Where do you want to get? Not just in the life to come. Where do you want to get right now as a disciple of Jesus Christ? And which route are you willing to take to get there? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we want our ultimate destination to be with you. So please send your spirit to lead us to your presence as waypoints until we arrive. Let today's shared meal be a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. Let the people we engage be those who rep represent you and let us represent you to them. Help us recalculate our priorities so that spending time in prayer with you and study about you in service to you and in worship of you all move us toward where we want to get. Helping us along the way to be more faithful children, spouses, parents, workers, neighbors, churchgoers, followers of yours. Show us the way, Lord, the right way to get home. Amen.